Hey guys, so I really think you're going to love today's episode that I've done with Nat. She is a pioneer in the women's health space, along with women like Lara Bryden, Jolene Brighton, Lisa Hendricks-Jack. So all women that I've really looked up to, inspired to be like, and have followed for many years, right from the beginning of my health journey when I lost my periods for seven years and really started struggling with acne, psoriasis, fatigue, and gut issues. So I feel like that been around quote unquote for a really long time and yeah it's just a bit of a fangirl moment having women like this on the podcast and just being able to learn off them firsthand but also take their knowledge and bring it to you guys and just help spread the word about overcoming these issues in women's health which like we said quote unquote should not be normal but are perceived as normal Um, but because we're chatting all things hormone health today I just want to touch on one of my favorite hormone balancing supplements. So when you're looking for something to support your hormones, you do need to address protein, fiber, carbohydrates in the diet, stress reduction strategies, and supportive uh, supplements. So I love the Estro Switch. Now this female support blend contains your broccoli extract, which is just really supportive for balancing those estrogen levels, uh, especially in that phase one pathway. So if you've done saliva testing or comprehensive dutch testing like we do inside the root cause program so my signature six month program where we run a lot of this testing we can start to support these pathways really well and this blend also has turmeric zinc selenium and vitamin c which are really important minerals for phase two okay so it's important to understand how we're addressing estrogen and how we're rebalancing in the body. So things like the milk thistle and the quercetin and the NAC that's in this blend as well, really support those liver detoxing pathways. So if you feel like you've got a hormonal balance, you've done some testing and kind of like, yep, I need to rebalance my estrogen out, go give Easter Switch a look at. Head to switchnutrition.com.au. Use the code SHEZ, S-H-E-Z, at the checkout for a discount on your purchase. Or please reach out with any questions around these supplements, around your hormones, to see how I can help. Please enjoy today's episode. I love hearing from you. And yeah, I hope you get as much joy out of listening to Nat as I did talking to her. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain, and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, and today I have the privilege of speaking to Nat. So Nat Kringrios, always get my mouth around that, is a qualified healthcare practitioner, author, speaker, and all-round natural fertility expert. Now, Nat is someone I followed for years and was sort of probably the first person I came across in my amenorrhea journey and just struggling with not having periods for seven years. Just being able to follow women like Nat and Lara Bryden and people in the industry who are super inspiring has just, yeah, 
been a big part of who I am today and why I do what I do. So thank you so much for being here now. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel like most people know your name, but at the same time, I'm sure there's people who are like, who is this woman? So for those who don't know you, how did you get into women's health? Where did this all start for you? Yeah, it's a a great question. Um, I've been a health practitioner. My background is Chinese medicine um, and I'm approaching 20 years in practice, which seems like forever. <laughs> I don't even feel old enough to be have done that, but I am. It turns out I'm actually more than old enough to do that. So, um, but I mean, look, this space is now saturated, but 20 years ago, there was nobody doing it. And it wasn't by choice in the, you know, aspect of me going, oh, I need to do this because I need to um, support my own health or my fertility. And when I say fertility, I don't mean babies. I mean, having a thriving reproductive system that is, you know, ready to go if you want it to. And if it doesn't, well, that's, that's okay as well. Um, But it it was, yeah, it was literally because we had so many patients that were asking for help and I didn't know how to help them and they didn't have the tools and their doctors didn't know why they were experiencing the symptoms that they were having. And so I really went on this path of trying to figure out, okay, well, what's happening for these women and why do they have these symptoms? And, you know, whether it was heavy bleeding or period pain or ovulation pain or PMS, it, it, no one was still giving me answers at that time. Why are these women having these, these symptoms? And really it came down to the fact that it was a result of our modern lifestyle. And, and so I started treating all of that and we got very busy very quickly because Women wanted the answers and they wanted us to help them with that. So it's it's been a ride, um, a wonderful ride. But, yeah, 20 years later, here we are. It's crazy because I was just looking on your website earlier going, I wonder what Nat's actually studied in. Like I know she uses herbs and I know you as the fertility awareness or even just the fertility queen in a sense I'm like you have such a big name and amazing education awareness but I was like I wonder where it all started and then I was like oh your undergrads in Chinese medicine because I knew you used herbs and I knew there was sort of that background and stuff but I was like ah that was sort of your introduction into the world of things it totally was and it's not you know it's definitely part of my training I actually prior to that studied science um, biosciences and then went into Chinese medicine and then went into acupuncture and so it's been you know, that was a, a, again, that was a whole process in itself. Um, but I do a lot of integrative work now because I feel that's where um, I get the best results with patients. So I kind of use all different aspects and bring it together to to really help patients get the results that, um, you know, I think are, we want to try and create situations where women are getting sustainable long-term results. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a drive, like there's obviously a drive behind you and there's a passion behind you. Like I think about the women I know in the industry who are incredible at what they do. And I think of myself and my why, and it was obviously my own health history and stuff, but for you, it's, you've made such a big change and you've obviously pushed a lot of different platforms and tried to empower and educate in multiple different aspects and not just as a clinician, like it's not just your hands on teaching that you're doing it. It goes bigger than that. And was that drive for you from a personal point of view? Was that also just because there's sheer amount of women who are coming in with these heavy, you know, periods and PMS? 
Yeah, I love that observation. Um, it was driven by the patients initially, um, very much so. And then, you know, I had this epiphany one day. I'm like, all these women are desperate to have children because at this point in time, I really was seeing only fertility. I wasn't seeing the perimenopausal women or the girls going through puberty. Um, I just one day I remember thinking, these women are at the point now where there's so much stress involved in their life because they A, are trying to get their health on track and conceive. And we're really missing a piece of the puzzle here. This actually starts with the younger generation. This starts with helping women to understand their bodies when they're younger, um, which isn't exactly easy because if you think back to being a teenager, you you know you would have loved for your period not to be in there. You would have loved to have not have had to go through all of those changes. So, you know, I think being able to watch women over various phases and stages has really led us to where we are now. And and I think we all work it out in our own time and we're all at different parts in that, in our path. So being able to support women wherever they're at, I think that's probably been the thing that has driven most of what we do, but all the while, I don't think you can know that without actually spending time listening to women. How else can you help them if you're not doing that? And I think that's the difference between somebody who's very smart and can read a lot and relay information and somebody who actually has sat with, you know, tens of thousands of women and heard their stories. And so I think that has always been such a drive for me. It's one of the reasons why I'm still in clinical practice, but it's also like, I love having conversations with people on social platforms um, because there's just so much opportunity to help them to understand themselves better. Yeah. And it's interesting. I had this conversation with someone earlier today and it was that sense of my reality and your reality is almost like, is different to the general female because we have a um like there's there's information and you're informed. Like if I say to you, you know, like oh you got heavy painful periods, you would say that's not normal. There's an imbalance. There's something going on. Let's address it and find out what's going on. But the amount of women and I am grassroots compared to you, but I'm still seeing women every day who are reaching out to me going Sheridan heavy painful periods GP said that's normal similar to the whole IBS story I've got constipation loose stools GP said that's normal and you know that gets my back up because I'm like well that's bullshit that is not normal that's not how it is and you would be the same but I think I so often forget that 90% of women still don't know that like there is still so much work quote unquote to be done and I feel like we've come so far in 10 years from I think of where I was at at 17 18 to now but I'm like there's still it just seems overwhelming with the amount of women who are still struggling it's just mind-blowing I think that slowly but surely women are realizing that there has to be more to it like hang on a minute what is actually happening here and also I think it's a generational scenario as well you know my mum I remember my mum saying to me it sucks to be a woman I'm so sorry like that was basically the answer was well it's just part and parcel you know we got dealt we got dealt those genetics and so we get you know periods and we get pain um Whereas now I think a lot more women are actually being vocal about the fact that that is common, but it's not normal. And most of the things that we see are very common. And again, it comes back to that first spark of curiosity for me, which was these are a result of our modern day living. This is not actually normal. You're not supposed to have pain. You're not supposed to pass out from pain. You're not supposed to vomit from pain. Like 
you know, that is your body's way of saying, um, hello, I'm trying to let you know here that this isn't working, like something's wrong, but you're right. And the reason that we are still finding that women are told that it's normal is because there, these things aren't druggable. They're not a druggable problem. So if there's no drug for the problem, then how is your doctor supposed to treat that? And let's be honest, your doctor probably has 15 minutes with you at best. They're not, their role is not necessarily all of these other things that many of us are, are teaching. Um, and that's our role. And it'll be really nice when we get to a point where we're all in this together. But unfortunately, there's still not always and it's getting better, but there is still segregation. And and that is the part that I'm really passionate about helping women to understand that, that, that medicine is very different to what you do daily to keep your health at a certain place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think like when you're seeing women in clinic, you're not only doing acupuncture, but then there's herbs and then there's diet stuff and then there's lifestyle and there's stress and there's just all those areas. Yeah, it's far more what they do when they leave, not what they do when they're there. Yeah, yeah. You know? (laughs) And I think that kind of comes into what I want to pick your brain on today a bit about contraception and go, well, you know, the the first knee-jerk reaction is definitely the birth control pill. And we know that there's so many side effects of the birth control pill, but there's also so many other options out there as well. And I'm sure like, all of them definitely have pros and cons. But if you had to pick one to start off, what would be your starting point for safe contraceptive methods? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick a contraception, now I think it's important to define what that is because a contraception is a barrier method, hormone or fitted device. So if I had to pick one of those things, I mean, barrier methods, of course, because that's not requiring you to um, have a foreign object in your body or to take hormones to control your own hormones, um, then I would always be coming back to barrier methods. And I speak a lot to children, um, I'm sorry, adolescents as well. And I think this is a really important message for them because they 100% should be using barrier methods for protection against STDs, which are a huge issue for long-term health. So, you know, the fact that we are put off by barrier methods is disappointing and how can we teach our teenagers to be responsible if we're not taking responsibility ourselves around that? So. There's where I would start. But if you said to me, all right, no, 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 Nat, you need to actually give me a hardcore contraception, which one would we be using? Um, Then I'm always going to go for the copper IUD because it's not actually um, hormonal. It's just changing the uterine environment. Um, It has an impact of repelling sperm, but it's not not without complications. It can really mess up. Um, It can, I see a lot of women who have thyroid issues that can't have it. Um, it can migrate and move to other areas of the body. Um, and it's maybe not suitable for younger women either. So, and it's just because it's quite large, the, the device itself is quite large. Um, but it is an IUD and acts as such. Um, the difference between that and the marina is the marina has hormones that it secretes. So I would be trying to avoid that if I could, um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that actually it's such a disservice to women to not empower them to understand their body. And this is where um, fertility awareness becomes what I would say is the main approach and something that every woman should have 
the opportunity to learn what her body is communicating to her and working out and being able to actually know when she's fertile and when she's not. And it seems crazy to me that we would flatline hormones, you know, 365 days a a year when you ovulate 12 times a year. It doesn't seem logical. Like make that make sense. Once you know when you're ovulating and when you're fertile and when you're not, I think the challenge for me, I get, I'm probably a little bit bitter and twisted because I've been practicing fertility awareness for so long that I'm like, how can you not know? It's like so obvious. Like I know I'm ovulating. I can tell I'm ovulating. I can see I'm ovulating. I can feel I'm ovulating and trusting my intuition and awareness around that. And it's not woo. It's, it's very obvious. So, you know, I'm at probably the other end of the the line with that. Um, but I'm constantly amazed by how women aren't prepared to trust themselves. And that's because I think medicine has actually not done its pro- job properly and not allowed us to do that. Like I actually, and I'm not saying you shouldn't take medicine. I'm not saying a medical industry doesn't have a place, but when it comes to your fertility awareness and knowing when you are actually fertile, there's no conversation about this other than shutting it down. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think you're, you're bang on there and you're right. Yes. The other issue I guess that stems into that is that obviously these contraception methods with the hormones, um, birth control pill and stuff are used for things beyond contraception. So we are using them for acne or painful periods or whatever it is to quote unquote, regulate your hormones, which obviously Mm -hmm. is another whole Mm -hmm. topic in itself. But for fertility awareness-based methods, from what I pick up, there's kind of two main ones, the symptothermal method and then the kind of calendar rhythm method. Is that correct? Hmm. I think it's important just to touch back on what you're saying. You know, it is absolutely one thing to use contraception for contraception. It's a completely different conversation when you're using it to fix something. Um, And that's where... I'm, you know, back back to that conversation around your, if there's not a medicine to fix it, then what do you do, right? So the birth control, you know, has been the holy grail for so long because it just shuts everything down and then you don't have to worry about it until such a time that A, it stops working, B, you've got terrible side effects, um, you want to actually have children, like there's many reasons why someone would decide to stop taking that. Um, and you know, these poor women have been led to believe it's fixing a problem when it's actually just masking symptoms. So I'm glad that you said that. It's really important to make that connection and awareness. Um, Yeah, I mean, fertility awareness actually just comes down to knowing when you're fertile and when you're not. The most accurate way and the only way that you can really dial it in with accuracy is basal body temperature tracking. Um, And that that requires you taking your temperature every morning at the same time in the same environment. The nice thing about there's many devices out there that actually allow you to track that now, which takes the hassle and the guesswork out of it and put some of the trust factor back into something that is, you know, we can't call them. There are companies that actually do market their devices being a contraceptive method. Technically it's not. Um, And so, yeah, you've got to be really mindful about that. doesn't mean that it doesn't um, help you to have the awareness um, to prevent pregnancy, but we can't safely call them contraception because they're not one of those things that I mentioned. Um, But, yes, so it is. It comes down to tracking your symptoms, so your cervical fluid and the changes in your cervical fluid, the position of your cervix, 
um, as well as your basal body temperature. And the reason the basal body temperature is so nice is because you don't have to actually do much other than take your temperature. And, um, and, you know, like I said, a lot of these devices actually do do it, do it for us, which means it stores the data. It tells you when you're ovulating, you just have to put the data, the input in. What's your favorite one? I used to use TempDrop um, and then it cooked it on me and I haven't replaced it yet. I was just using a standard um, basal. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure, I am the owner of Daisy Australia. So Daisy being oh. one of the devices that that um, I've had a long stand, standing history with, I think they all, they all can be great. The reason that I'm a fan of Daisy um, outside of that truthfully is because it's been around the longest it's it's the most accurate 99.4% accuracy of being able to pinpoint your non-fertile days as well as being able to tell you when you ovulate um so you know these devices generally take around 3 months to learn your body um and the nice thing about them is well the nice thing about daisy um especially is that um it take yeah it takes around 3 months to learn you and it really it, it it houses the data for you, and it can it you can have some discrepancy. So what I'm trying to say is, if you were just to use a thermometer, and you know this because you've been doing it for a long time now, but if someone's to pick up the thermometer today, let's say, um, it does take a while to be able to look at the various discrepancies and look at what you've done throughout the day to see how that could adjust your temperature. For example, if you have been unwell and you've had a fever or you've drank alcohol, or you haven't had enough sleep, or, you know, there's lots of variables that can really shift your temperature. And if you don't know that and you haven't read it over a period of time, then that may not actually be giving you accurate information. Mm. Um, because these devices like Daisy learn your body, it learns the discrepancies. And sleep is another big one because Traditionally, if you're just taking your temperature and you haven't slept properly throughout the night, that reading's not going to be accurate. Daisy only requires you to have two to three hours of consecutive sleep for it to still be accurate. So that's superior in comparison to um, many of the other devices. And I guess that's appealing to mothers who are breastfeeding and up to children during the night. So it's not that the other devices are wrong. I just think that the difference being is Daisy's had 40 years in the game, whereas a lot of the others haven't. So the data is really solid and the algorithm's really solid and and we can have this quite, you know, dialed in accuracy with being able to at least tell you when you're not fertile. And I think that's really important for women to understand that and see that and then match that up with your signs that your body's giving you. So changes in cervical fluid, um, you know, once you see those changes, we can line that up with what your daisy or your device is telling you. And you can see, oh yeah, it's telling me I'm ovulating and actually my cervical fluids change as well. So yes, I can see that I'm ovulating and it allows the woman to really learn her body and really learn her cycle. So I do love the devices because they take the guesswork out of it. But also, you know, if you want to learn the traditional method of temping, and you want to chart, then by all means, I mean, you can still learn that as well. And I think that's fantastic. So two questions on Daisy then, because one, like when I've used um, basal body uh, thermometers and stuff in the past, I've chucked it into the Kindara app because then obviously mm-hmm. it, it spits it out for me. 
what is daisy is it a is it a thermometer or is it like a brisk thing like no it's not a continual monitor so some of the ones that you're talking about is a continual monitor daisy doesn't need to do that it just needs you to take your temperature before getting out of bed it doesn't matter if it's not at the same time every day and it doesn't matter what your sleep patterns have been so long as you've had two to three hours of consistent sleep prior to taking your temperature um, whereas if you were just temping traditional method with it, the moment you need to take it at the same time every day for you to get that accuracy. So just little things like that. But Daisy is the computer. I wish I had it here. It's up on my on my nightstand. Um, Daisy is the computer and Daisy actually houses the data. The app just shows it to you, which is different from a lot of the other ones as well, where the app actually if the app dies or your data goes away and you don't have that anymore, the data is stored within the device for Daisy. Yeah, and then does it, when you open the app, you can, I'm assuming there's a chart. Yeah, the same as all of them. You can see all your history of your data. And then the other thing that Daisy can do is Daisy can... um, can also tell you if you're pregnant. So if women are using it for fertility purposes, um, it can confirm pregnancy. Um, It has a light system on it and you don't actually need to log into your app to see where you're at. The device also gives you that feedback as well through a traffic light system. So that's really useful as well. So for those who don't, who've never heard of temp tracking before, why are we using Daisy to track our temperature in the first place? Because your temperature changes throughout the cycle. So for the first part of your cycle, your follicular phase, so your period and then your follicular phase where your estrogen's building, um, you will have a different, um, you'll have a lower temperature prior to ovulation. And when we, when we ovulate, we usually see the temperature dip and then rise higher than what it was in the follicular phase and it will remain high for the second part of the cycle. So if you're cons- consistently tracking that, you start to see, A, yep, okay, I've got consistently lower temps in the first part of the cycle. I see a dip in my temperature. I see a rise in my temperature and then consistently higher temperatures in the second part of the cycle. And then we get our period and we repeat the process. So these temperature shifts are really useful and they allow us to see a lot of information as to what our hormones are actually doing if you want to go down that rabbit hole. But for the everyday person, just to have the peace of mind of looking at a temperature, getting that feedback and being able to see in in the scheme of things where you are in your cycle and if you've ovulated yet is pretty useful because obviously you have to ovulate to fall pregnant. So if you haven't ovulated, um, you can figure that out. Daisy will be able to tell you when that happens and it'll look at your fertile window and tell you, you know, when you're outside of that and when you're inside of that so that you can time sex appropriately. And for those that want to follow fertility awareness to avoid pregnancy, well, obviously you can't fall pregnant if you're not ovulating. So you you can you can do the math really. Yeah. I love that because I see so many Dutch tests on, you know, sort of day-to-day mm-hmm. basis of women who are struggling with having um, adequate progesterone levels. And obviously there's an adrenal component, there's always a gut component and da-da-da-da, but they're kind of going, well, you know, a young woman I saw this week would have been mid-20s, no estrogen, no progesterone, still having a bleed. And I'm like, kind of looks like an ovulatory cycles. Are you tracking temp and things? Mm-hmm. And she's going, oh, no. But I'm like, if you had that data, you would – be able to sort of confirm that ovulation and see what's going on so much more. Absolutely. And I think it's not just a matter for me. I'm at an age where it's not just about me knowing I can track my cycle without 
I don't need the data tracker. <laughs> like I'm, I'm good. But I think it's great information for my daughter to have to one day look back on as well um, and teach her. So, you know, I know my mum says this to me all the time. She lost her mum when she was 30 years old. And she's like, I've got no idea what my mum, what happened to my mum's cycles. I've got no idea about when she started going through or showing signs of menopause or what that looked like for her. So I know we're not here to talk about menopause, but really looking at the longevity of our health as women, I think is very important for the next generation to pass that information on as well. I guess also if there's discrepancies in your temple, your cycle length has changed and stuff as well, you can reflect back on that month and go, what's happened? What changes? What additional stress was there? What happened with my diet? Or have I been exercising too much? Or like it would just give you that confirmation or even reassessment and go, hey, wait a second, I ovulated later, my period's coming later. What the heck am I doing with myself the Mm -hmm. last 30 days? Mm Yeah, 100%. And being able to look back and know that. And I can't tell you the number of women that will say, oh, my gosh, Nat, I don't know what happened, but I had the worst cycle. And I'll be like, well, what have you been doing? Yeah. Um, we still don't connect the dots. We still don't go, oh, yeah, that's right. I traveled. Um, I drank things I wouldn't ordinarily drink in copious amounts. I ate a whole lot of sugar or I've had a horrible month at work or whatever it might be is absolutely reflected in all of these things. And so being able to connect the dots is is super important because otherwise why wouldn't you think something's wrong if it's out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah, and it comes back to that thing that we talked about at the start, that empowerment of women. And you're going, well, look, you have you can start to connect with your body, understand what's going on, you have more data, and you can start to sort of, I guess, not only support yourself but support your health moving forward as well. You're no longer relying on your GP's prescription or, you know, some other sort of method or some synthetic hormones to empower you educate you do these things Mm -hmm. you actually start to come in tune with your body and I feel like that then connects to gut health and everything else as well because you start the amount of women who are asked are you having a regular bowel movement they're kind of like "Mm, I don't know when did I poo last and I'm like Mm. how did you not know that like I'm so switched on to what my body is doing because I've had to but we we disconnect we don't Mm. we don't connect these things together it's it's crazy yeah it is unfortunate I think it's actually Part of the re- women, part of the reason women have disconnected is purely because of birth control. It's flatlined their hormones. And just for those that are listening who might be on birth control, you don't get these temperature shifts when you're on birth control because you're not ovulating. So, and therefore you're not actually getting a period. You're just getting a withdrawal bleed. And a lot of women are very shocked to learn that. So this wouldn't necessarily, well, not necessarily, this would not work. Um, if that was the case for you and a lot of women who even have a marina, they will actually find that they stop having periods as well. So it may, it just depends on the person as to how that goes. But um, it is important to understand that you're not getting these shifts and these ebbs and flows. Um, And so it does make it hard to understand your body because it actually changes, because it changes our hormones, it actually changes everything about us. It changes our outlook on life. It changes the decisions that we make. Like our hormones allow us to have various ebbs and flows that influence how we behave. Now, if you're not having that influence, it's kind of like just a rinse and repeat scenario, kind of like a man, unfortunately, yeah. but a male has a 24-hour uh, hour cycle and it's kind of like, you know, wake, eat, work, sleep, yeah. repeat. <laughs> Um, and when we're on birth control, we're not getting the ebbs and flows of our hormones. So it's it's a very much a similar cycle to that. 
Um, so if that is you, don't worry too much about the fact that you're like, what are they talking about? But it is important for you to have that information. But then also like there's that information side of things, but the importance of ovulation as well, right? Like maybe you can touch on that just briefly about it's not just about falling pregnant as well. Like, yes, we can track for pregnancy, but we're also, like you said earlier, tracking for going, have I ovulated? This is really important. My body needs to ovulate each cycle. Yeah, I mean, ovulation really is the start of the cycle, not the period. The period is the clean out um, that happens if you don't conceive, but you can't get a period without ovulating. So, you know, that's that comes back to ovulation being the most important event of your menstrual cycle. Um, and the other reason that it's important is because it shows us that your hormones are doing what they're supposed to be doing and you are releasing uh, an egg for conception. Basically, your body is a... a a pregnancy machine it's trying to set you up to fall pregnant no matter what and even though you might not like to hear that um as a listener that's pretty much what it's doing and for the person that's listening and saying oh well I don't get a period so that's not happening well actually it is because it will always search for an optimal environment so if the environment's not optimal then you may not ovulate or you may not ovulate regularly um and that's because your body is actually going this is not an optimal environment for pregnancy to occur so it's still a pregnancy machine. Um, it's still trying to 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 scope out the best time for that to happen. The interesting thing about ovulation is, you know, it it is it's not the same day every month. Um, it can change due to the circumstances in the environment that you're in, and it should be because again, it's looking for the an optimal scenario for fertility and pregnancy to occur. And the nice thing about that is you get to decide whether or not you want to make a baby at that point or not, that's up to you at this point in time. But I think a lot of us are petrified of our fertility. We're so worried about falling pregnant and the majority of women will find out it's probably not as easy as they thought it was going to be um, when they do decide to start trying for a baby. So I think this is another reason why watching your ovulation prior to many years prior to wanting to have children means that there's no stress involved from that side of things when it is time to conceive because you've already figured out what your cycle's doing. You already understand and have cycle awareness. So it just means now you've, you've, you know, you're hitting go on something that you've been planning for for a long time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And we know sort of after that ovulation, we get that nice progesterone surge and our hormones obviously shift and change. But as you would see coming into your clinic of women's with a lot of symptoms, there's so often, even if they haven't been on contraception and they are having regular cycles, there can still be that real shift of higher estrogen or even just really low progesterone, which can obviously drive so many symptoms. So without regular ovulation without a nice strong ovulation and you're not getting that progesterone surge we just start to see all these negative side effects as well which is no fun yeah I think what's interesting about that is um from again from a medical perspective we look at that and go oh you your progesterone is um falling short so you know in a if you were tempering you would be able to see this because progesterone is that hormone that's warming which is why our temperature actually rises if for example you've got a 28-day cycle, but your temperature starts to come down as of day 25, you'll actually feel that in terms of PMS symptoms. Whereas this is why some people have PMS and others don't. It's what are their hormones doing? So when progesterone starts to taper off, you might have a headache, you might feel moody, you might be very tired, you might have some other pain. There's lots of 
um, symptoms that come with um, premenstrual um, hormone changes, we call them PMS, mm-hmm. um, but our Western mind goes, oh, your progesterone's falling too short. Let's give you some progesterone. And for the majority of women, that doesn't fix the problem. Well, it might. It might solve maybe two or three of those symptoms, but it doesn't fix the underlying problem because progesterone is probably just following what the other hormones are doing. So we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to look at the whole picture when it comes to our progesterone levels and and actually not just talk to the progesterone, but talk to how can we regulate our hormones throughout the entire cycle so that by the time it gets to the end of the line, by the time it gets to day 25, 26, 27, that we can keep your progesterone up and you'll have less symptoms um, in that window. And I think that just circles back to exactly where you started about the things that impact these hormonal balances. And then if there's, you know, poor diet for a month or a couple months or years, the poor diet, the lifestyle, the stress, all those kinds of things are just impacting, quote unquote, how much progesterone we're Mm -hmm. making each month and how that balance of estrogen to progesterone is. And then I guess that whole adrenal output as well and going, Mm -hmm. well, what's our cortisol doing and how's that impacting those beautiful sex hormones as well? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's empowering. <laughs> it's good. Like I just feel like we we switch off, we get caught up in the mm. go, go, go of each day. And I just think like that's why A, having things like Daisy on hand are gonna be so good, which I'll definitely link into the show notes. But you also have courses or you have other resources or you have things that women who might be hearing this for the first time and going, that is a either mind blowing because if you haven't heard about it before, it is ridiculously cool. And then the other side of things, women go, I had some idea. I knew birth control wasn't amazing, like the birth control pill. There are other methods, but they want to learn more. Do you have resources available for those people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, natcringudis.com is where you'll find pretty much everything. Um, I've been, you know, sharing on there for many, many, many years. So if you have a symptom or you're curious about something, please use the search bar there. Um, But you'll also see that there's lots of masterclasses that we have created. And we also have a membership, which um, houses all the masterclasses, which is an amazing place for women to come and learn about their bodies and have the support and questions answered that they need. So all roads lead to Rome for me. It's all Nat Kringudis, whether it's Instagram, my website. Um, and then, of course, you know, supporting women in clinic as well is something that we still do as an option. But I, I really want to empower women to at least have the foundational understanding of their hormones. And then, you know, where that takes us beyond that is depends on the on the person. Yeah, totally. And then my last question is, how did you come up with Daisy, which is such a lovely name? Um, oh, it's but- not. I mean, Daisy, like I said, is around 40 years old. So Daisy um, is uh, origins are in Europe where Daisy is very, very well known. It's just that we live in the furthest part of the world, <laughs> don't we? And things take so much longer to, to get here. So Daisy, like I said, it's existed for 40 years and um, it was actually created by somebody who wanted their wife to um, understand her cycle better without needing to be um, regulated in any other way. So it wasn't actually designed um, for fertility purposes initially. It was more about understanding, yeah, the cycle and and not having to rely on outside resources. So it was designed by people in technology 
Um, and now it's like 40 years later, like I said, it's it's evolved over time. The first the device didn't look like Daisy does now. Daisy's the evolution of um, I'm looking at it now and it's it's nice. It looks so yeah. smooth and like yeah. lovely. I know. It's 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 great. So it's a good it's an awesome device. And like I said, um it's been around for 40 years. So it's not my technology, but I'm privileged enough to be able to um be the person in Australia or co-own it with somebody else um, that we are able to distribute and educate um, fertility awareness because of Daisy. Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much for jumping on today. It's honestly just, yeah, been a privilege for me to be able to pick your brain and I'm excited to get this podcast episode up and I am going to buy Daisy and give it a whirl because, yeah, awesome. Kendra died ages ago and I need something. So this has been the perfect kick up the butt for me. There you um, go. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Sheridan. So, yes, lovely. I will link everything into the show notes. So for those listening, you'll be able to find all those roads to Nat. And, yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.